G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. In the past couple of years, as Aussies, we've all been on our own journey learning to live with COVID. Some have been hit much harder than others. Some have suffered the direct effects of the virus or loved ones going through their battles We've all experienced the effects of lockdowns and the unintended consequences that come along with that. Now the ongoing threats and uncertainty around new variants or job security and business viability. Well, politicians, journalists and educators have offered advice about how to survive the various outbreaks, lockdowns and restrictions. And what the the thing that we can be sure of is that the effects of the pandemic are still going to be with us for a long time. So today, we're looking to get a focus on a Christian response to the pandemic and the times to come. Our special guest today has a new book called Living with COVID, Christian Reflections in Troubling Times. He's addressing some important questions. Does our Christian faith have anything to help us interpret the experiences and help us make sense of the pandemic? And does the witness of the first Christians teach us how to live in times of crisis? Our special guest through the coming hour, the Reverend Dr. Bruce Kay. He's Adjunct Research Professor at the Centre for Public and Contextual Theology, Charles Sturt University in the ACT. He's a former General Secretary of the Anglican Church of Australia. And joining us through this coming hour, Bruce, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much. Nice to be here, Neil. Bruce, your book has been out since earlier this year, and no doubt when the crisis hit, Uh, All sorts of things must have been shaping the way you were thinking to write a book that you have, Living with COVID. Uh, Give us some insights into what actually shaped your thoughts around writing this book. Yes, thank you, Neil. The book had uh, its origins in the life of the parish here in Sydney, to which I belong, uh, Southhead Anglican Parish. And in um, February or March last year, uh, the minister in our church said to me, look, we have a weekly Christian uh, uh, community bulletin and it would be good if we had someone talking each week, writing a short article on how about this, it was called. That is to say, how are we going to approach this as a Christian community and as Christian people? So each week uh, I wrote for this uh, bulletin three to 400 words on how about this for this week and the series ran for 52 weeks at which time I called a halt uh, thinking that maybe COVID was a bit over but I was wrong about that of course and the book is a collection of those reflections so they're created by the context that we were in at the time the audience that is to say the parishioners who got the e-news uh, and that grew during the pandemic to beyond the parish, uh, and my own response to where we were. That's how it started. I mentioned in the introduction, experts uh, have offered their advice on outbreaks, lockdowns and restrictions, and uh, the sense that there are secular experts offering their advice. And when I come to think of this, <laughs> I think there's probably been more more advice that come through a Christian programming like we have on this uh, 2020 program than, than the sorts of secular wisdom that doesn't seem to hold a whole lot of weight. But there's value in listening to the wisdom of God. And this is what you have sought to express uh, for your parish in those 52 reflections, and that's become the book. The, the the wisdom of God versus the secular experts. Any thoughts here, Bruce? Yes, yes, thanks, Neil. I mean, that, that does characterise what I was doing. Uh, I, I didn't set out to write a, a, a column on a text of the Bible or, or on a Bible passage or 
or on a theme or anything like that consistently. It just as, as I reflected on where we were, how did I think that God was present for us as a Christian community and as Christians in this situation, and how could we uh, respond more Christianly uh, in in the context? I think um, some secular contributions are, of course, especially when they're medically informed, helpful for people who face serious depression uh, and so on. Uh, I wouldn't want to discount that kind of wisdom, but that is a wisdom which isn't about what it means to be a Christian uh, and living Christianly in this context, which is a really significant challenge in a way, uh, because I guess in Australia it's easy for us as Christians to think that we're living in a sympathetic environment and where we don't find ourselves called to challenge in any great and monumental way what governments do in this country, um, unlike in some other countries. You know, it's hard to believe, isn't it, uh, that we're already into COVID uh, for this two years, or or almost two years. And uh, right back to the beginning, uh, there would have been so many, uh, not just Christians, but people across the broader populace, the expectations of a quick fix. And when the quick fix doesn't come and uh, the hardships set in, uh, there are challenges because what we've learned now, of course, having gone two years into COVID, there is no quick fix and there's expectation that there's going to be a a long-term effect from what's going on. So I guess what I want to ask you, Bruce, is how you have reflected on the idea that Christians perhaps need to prepare for a long haul here in either going through our own hardships or going alongside those who are in our communities who are facing hardships. Yes, that's that's a really good point, Neil. I, I, I approach the question really on the basis of what we are doing here is living with very particular kinds of circumstances and challenges which accentuate and emphasise uh, our ordinary life challenges. And what I was trying to do was to bring to bear the ordinary truths which affect the way in which we as Christians can live in the longer term, our lives generally. And so I had quite a bit of material uh, on prayer and what kind of prayer should we be engaging in in this kind of crisis and how should we be thinking about how we pray and how we we grow our Christian character uh, so that we have resilience. There are a number of passages, uh, sections in the book about the character of love as patient, merciful, uh, and so on and so forth. So those were those were issues which are perennial for Christians in living Christianly wherever they are and at whatever time. And in a way, what I I didn't at first reflect that this was what I was doing, but I was drawn to do. Uh, that kind of um, general long-term way of thinking about how we live as Christians uh, and how we decide things. So, yeah, I, I found it, I found it um, easy to think that hope might be described in terms of a relief from COVID, but that, that really I found quite inadequate as a way of responding to the actual crisis and not adequate from a Christian point of view about how we how we approach any crisis. I think listeners will be uh, challenged and uh, some will be impressed by the way you frame the thought of ordinary truths. In other words, yeah. those are the sorts of truths that have shaped our Christianity through the past 2,000 years and what we glean from those because crisis and uh, tribulation has been a part of Christian communities for that whole time. And so uh, you might expect that as we draw on the wisdom of God, those sorts of things become evident. But if you've had a relatively ease, uh, easy time in your life uh, to date, and this is a crisis that all of a sudden grips, uh, understanding the ordinary truths come back to life, Bruce. They do. They do, and I, I noticed uh, when I was rereading some of the material, and it appears in the book, uh, I um, I noticed that there, were, there was a little bit of a theme about forming Christian instincts. It's my way of talking about how we 
what we do to grow our own Christian character from which we then make decisions in particular circumstances. I mean, mostly the decisions we make, we, we don't sit down and do a calculus uh, and, and figure what... Major questions of direction, maybe, but generally speaking, we are confronted with a decision and we need to act out of our character. And Christians need to be, over the long term of their lives, forming that character. And I, a number of these passages in the book try to deal with that kind of thing. It's, uh, I imagine that it's contentious uh, to say, uh, you know, did God allow uh, the COVID crisis so that there would be hardship in people's lives? Or are these things a natural occurrence? You might even call them a natural evil by which we are actually responding uh, with a, a spiritual intent. And so the formation of Christian instincts sounds to me like God allows these things to happen so that we will grow strong in character. Yes, I'm not so keen on that uh, uh, way of framing it. Uh, uh, I think I think these things are part of the way in which the cosmos works. I mean, when you look at the way in which the world is, it depends for its functioning, or it's, it functions in a way which there are always mishaps going on and good things going on. And and uh, I don't think we can attribute precise things to God's uh, providence. I think we have to deal with the, the nature of the created order in its fallen condition. So Paul talks about it groans itself um, and respond to that circumstance rather than trying to um, imagine what God had in mind. I I have a little habit in life. Uh, we have a patio on our apartment and in the summer the ants come out and I, if I'm sitting out there reading and I look at the ants and I think, now, how can I communicate with these ants who are crawling up my leg and biting me? Uh, how do I? How, do, how can I do that? And, and how, is there any chance that they can communicate with me? And it, it, it helps me to think that when it comes to understanding the mind of God, I'm a bit of an ant. And we all are like that ant too when it comes to the almighty, all-knowingness of God. And uh, I uh, love the way that you uh, bring that uh, that that connection there of uh, responding to the nature of God's created order in its fallen condition. And that yeah. then creates the opportunity for us to respond. And I wonder whether uh, we might move into the sorts of things that we as Christians do living in the world but not of the world because this preempts the idea that we will think differently to those uh, with a worldly thinking when we have the mind of Christ. Any thoughts here about the Christian living in the world but not of the world and how that relates to dealing with COVID and the challenges ahead? Yeah, I think this is a fundamental point in our particular point in history, um, uh, Neil. It's uh, uh, and and it, it begins early in the history of Christianity. Uh, for the first three hundred years of Christianity, uh, Christians lived as a separate uh, uh, communities within the society and within the Roman uh, rule. Uh, but but in the fourth century. Uh, the churches were drawn into a relationship with the empire and its government, and that complicated terrifically uh, the question of how Christians lived in this world but not of it, because the not of it part was quite significantly compromised by that political relationship. Now, we're only coming out of that thousand-year history um, in the modern age, and in Australia, uh, we think, well, we're, we're not a Christendom, we're not a kind of, a, there's no established church here. But actually, we still inherit some of the assumptions that that politically enmeshed time had in it. And issues for the church like power, uh, authority, um, the character of witness. Uh, 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 I think we're still trying to redeem those Christian concepts from the worldly engagement that the history of Christianity has uh, uh, left us with. So your question I, I really warm to 
and I think it requires us to be very, um, how shall I put this, careful and distinct about the way in which we think in terms of our life in society. There are wonderful things in the second century of Christianity where people wrote about what it was like to live as someone who was whose citizenship was not in heaven. That phrase from Paul's letter to the Philippians comes up regularly. And you know, the most common thing that they wrote about in that period, that century, was patience. And patience because for them, they were waiting for Christ's redemption and return. And time was going by and they had to think about patience a little differently from just waiting for tomorrow. And and that 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 way of thinking about how we live today, I think, has a lot to teach us: patience, humility, grace, and witness. Um, uh, were very important. Wonderful. So I think we've got a, we've got a lot of thinking and hard work to do because the habits we have in, we inherit, inherit from our culture don't always help us. Wonderful thoughts, wonderful insights, and I do want to invite listeners to join into our conversation too. Uh, I know that so many will recognise the value of hearing these sorts of thoughts, uh, knowing that here in Australia, as Bruce says, we inherit some of the assumptions of the early church in the world but not of the world, but engaging with the power and the authority and what was it with the character of witness that goes back even to the early church days in the 4th century where patience and waiting for Christ's redemption and return, that humility and reliance on God's grace. Well, I want to invite listeners to join in. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. How are you thinking about the times ahead, digging in for the long haul, or are you expectant of a quick fix and that everything will be great in 2022? Uh, 1-800-316-316. To join in our conversation today, our special guest is the Reverend Dr. Bruce Kay. And uh, Bruce's new book is, is called Living with COVID, Christian Reflections in Troubling Times. We're back with more in just a few moments. Thousands of people across Australia get hope and encouragement daily through Australia's most helpful Christian app, the Vision Christian Media app. Listen live and crystal clear to Vision Radio or Vision 180 on the go anywhere. Read or listen to the Word for Today, Australia's most read daily devotional. Read today's or past devotions or search for a topic by keyword. Read or listen to the Bible directly in the app, including a reading plan to take you through the Bible in a year. Listen on demand to some of Vision's best bits, including Bible teaching and thought-provoking conversations. Get the latest Vision National News with a Christian perspective. Latest perspectives include stories and articles updated daily that will make you think. Download the Vision app today. Just search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Details at vision.org.au slash app. Okay, superannuation ad. Take one. Do I have to read this disclaimer? Uh, yes. But there's no disclaimer about how their super is invested. I don't think anyone really cares. Well, I care. I'm with Christian Super, and they invest my super ethically. Okay. Shall we record this? Okay. Please read the PDS before joining. And people, please check how your super is invested. That last bit wasn't in the script. Or join Christian Super. Guess I can edit that out. Christian Super, station sponsor. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our special guest this hour is the Reverend Dr. Bruce Kay. He's adjunct research professor at the Centre for Public and Contextual Theology, Charles Sturt University in the ACT. His book is called Living with COVID, Christian Reflections in Troubling Times. And when we think about digging in for the long haul... Some wonderful wisdom as we glean some those things that come from a biblical foundation and that have shaped and we've seen evidence in the way that the early church and the church through the ages has dealt with all sorts of crisis situations. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Bruce, why don't we take a call or two from listeners. Steve is in Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. Welcome. Yeah, good day, um, Brother Neil and Brother Bruce. God bless you both. Thank you very much, and Steve. Pray... What are your thoughts? Well, uh, you spoke, uh, Brother Bruce, about this uh, 
um, corporate power and authority. Um, I've, I do a lot of studies. I'm what's called born again, Brother Bruce and Brother Neil. I claim progress, not perfection. I have me stuff-ups, bloopers and blunders on a regular basis because I'm a, a human. Uh, but thankfully I found the value in the teachings of the Holy Bible. And like I said, I don't always get it right. But I am, like you said, Brother Bruce, this horrible virus is going to be around, according to public speakers, medical, in the medical world, for at least another 30 years. So my hope is in Christ and in a super vaccine, which is being developed as we speak. But as far as um, corporate power and their push for communist democracies... How can you fit the full armour of God into it so that we can stand up in compassion of Christ? Steve, good thoughts there. And yes, we are all a work in progress and there are some challenging times and there are some issues running parallel to the health crisis and some might identify uh, authority as being one of those issues. Bruce, your thoughts for Steve? Yes, uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, nice to hear you. I, I, I'm... Uh, I'm trying to think about uh, the way in which power is exercised in the political and uh, national level. I keep going back to Jesus' conversation with Pilate. Pilate was concerned. He was a king. He had to keep control of the Palestine area. Um, and he was puzzled as to whether Jesus was a king and therefore a political threat. And they had this back-and-forth conversation. And in the end, Pilate said, well, so you are a king. And Jesus said, well... You say so, but but actually, my kingdom is not of this world. Else would my disciples fight. There's a kind of whole world of truth there for us. My kingdom is not of this world. That means we won't use the terms and the and the methods that you use, Pilate. That's to say, soldiers who coerce people. What might he doesn't say in that conversation? Jesus doesn't say what they will do. But it's clear as you read the rest of the New Testament, the sorts of things they do are to show love and the character of love is talked about a lot by St. Paul. Um, and we live as witnesses rather than warriors. Uh, and I think that uh, we can do that freely and hopefully because our kingdom, our citizenship is not here. Uh, and our freedom, therefore, to love others is magnified by that truth. So... We may just have to put up with uh, bullies who come our way. Putting up with bullies, Bruce, uh, witnesses rather than warriors, and I suspect yeah. you're, talking, you're talking about uh, the taking up of physical arms to fight, but yeah. there is certainly the, uh, the contending for faith and the uh, you know, bringing to light uh, those things which you might identify as evil and bringing a Christian uh, focus on those things because uh, that would be a, a, you know, presenting truth. Any thoughts there for you know, these different ways that, yeah. that the, the early disciples, uh, Paul and in the, the New Testament, uh, the way that they might have taken up a challenge here based on love yeah. and not on weapons yes i think i think the issue is that it isn't that we passively retreat into a corner but that we publicly testify to the character of the love which we are having christ and that means testify to it in relation to what's going on around us and the kind of community that we live in uh so it's i think it's testifying rather than terrorizing uh, and I think um, uh, that's true in the public life of Australia. And I think one of the things the churches in their institutional life should be demonstrating is those kinds of characteristics, patience, humility, uh, and love, and setting their life uh, on, a, on a track which is designed to help the helpless, to aid the disadvantaged. And uh, I think that's what they should be doing. And uh, alas, not always do we do that. 
And I'm sorry, I mean, I was an officer in the institutional church for a long time. Okay. Steve in Parks, thank you so much for a great contribution. Uh, our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. We'll take another call in just a moment. But uh, to pause and reflect for a moment here, testify rather than terrorise a wonderful way that is counterintuitive to what our culture might be even looking towards or what we might be looking at around the world. And this is something where our Christian faith has this whole different dimension, which is, in fact, more powerful than the weapons of terror. Any thoughts here, Bruce? Yes, may not be more powerful in the present day, uh, because we are testifying to a life which is not of this world. I mean, I do you know what I mean? I... Our task is not to fight to establish a kingdom here. Our task is to witness to a kingdom, to Jesus' kingdom, so that the world hears the truth of Christ's incarnation and death and resurrection. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not interested in, uh, and I say this as an Anglican who used to be the general secretary of the National Church, I'm not interested in empire building for churches. I'm interested in them spending themselves witnessing to the character of Christian life and Christian faith. And that that may not always be popular. And I think there is a real problem, Neil, here, and you're involved in uh, ways of trying to deal with it. Communicating in our community at large is extremely difficult if you aren't on the cultural wave. And uh, finding... uh, a voice that can be heard by our fellow citizens is a task which is, I think, continually more and more difficult for Christian people and Christian organizations. And there's a bit of a temptation, I think, in the churches to talk just to the church members and not to be willing to witness outside that barrier or find ways of witnessing outside that uh, community to the wider community, to the wider population. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Very good thoughts and uh, lots of reflection uh, required around some of those uh, very important thoughts. Let's take another call before the news. Shearer is in Melbourne. Hello, Shearer. Welcome. Hi. Hi there. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts, Shearer? I think for COVID, firstly, what did COVID do to us? It really shook, I think, everybody's foundation, whatever it happens, whether it's job-wise, health-wise. And then the purpose of God, we don't understand fully, but we have that doesn't take us away the Great Commission from us. I feel that the field is never more so ripe in terms of harvest of souls. There's so many hurts and brokenness. Um, as long as we take time to, to see and, and actually any, any work done eternal will not be lost. A very quick response, Bruce. Yes, I think that's right. I, I, think, um, I think it's also the case that COVID has revealed that there are powerful forces that control our lives which aren't necessarily in the public arena. Uh, or in the uh, legislative arena, and um, they are they are people and institutions to which we also should find a way of witnessing to the humility and love of God. Dealing with crisis, Bruce. Uh, there are multiple ways that we can help to form this Christian character that comes, and one of those. Uh, especially important settings, of course, is living in Christian community and connected to our local church. What have you been able to reflect on with regard to how we deal with these crises, but we don't do it alone, but in a community with others? Yes, that's a really important issue. And and, and it's not only important for the way in which we think of ourselves as Christians and live our lives as Christians, but it's also important from the point of view of our public witness as a community. People are aware of the local communities of Christian people, and whether in church denominations or in other kinds of configurations. But um, uh, I can't speak about what has happened everywhere, but I know that there a lot has been done by parishes in times of t- trying to reach out to people who are isolated and in trouble with the COVID lockdowns and so on. Our parish, um, we of course weren't able to hold church services. We 
um, and I wasn't involved in this, it was set up by the parish leadership, uh, um, uh, formed online services. They formed an online network and telephone network coordinated by um, a, a member of the parish so that all of the people that we knew lived alone or were um, in difficult circumstances and couldn't travel, couldn't come out at all, or who had difficulty in communicating, they were all on a list and then members of the parish were allocated and they called them to talk with them and pray with them over the telephone. Um, now, that that's a kind of simple thing, but it, but it was a very important way of establishing links with people who were likely to be isolated and therefore frightened by the whole event. Then there were also what one might call practical welfare things that happened. And uh, so, so that, that we, we, we kind of, the parish went online in a way, uh, and that online thing nearly doubled the number of people who normally come to our ordinary services before COVID. I, I, um, I thought that was just a terrific service, uh, and it reflected uh, an important part of our Christian understanding, namely that we belong together. We are people who are um, called by God to be a community and 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 that that just that little using what technology you could uh, was a way of doing that. Um, wonderful, that was a good thing. Wonderful testimony too, as to how your church responded, and so many others did too, with those online networks. And in that sense of connecting people, it's one thing to send someone a link and say, be part of our church. Uh, when we can't meet in person, you can still meet online and people have that opportunity to link. But when you say that everyone is encouraged uh, to look out for their neighbour, everyone yeah. becomes part of the pastoral care team. It's not just the senior minister in your church, but everybody actually has a role to play there. Is this something we pick up from early church and uh, interactions and care for one another that the Apostle Paul and Peter would have been talking about? Yes. That's a, that's a really interesting question. I've never quite focused on that in terms of the early church because the early church communities were all pretty local uh, and uh, communication was usually by uh, visiting from one place to another. I mean, there are lots of things in Paul's letters about blogs, so-and-so coming from here to there and one other, and, and people sending support from one place to another. So those kinds of things are very important in linking the Christian communities together and encouraging them. That's Later on in Christian thought, that was called Catholicity. Catholicity is not... not counting the whole as one giant kind of uh, network. Catholic is about being part of the whole or part of other congregations so that you learn that you don't know it all in your church um, and other people know things you should learn. If you think you can do it all on your own, you're probably mistaken. And that would be a lesson, certainly, as you describe the way the believers had to interact with one another and how the network of the early church began to grow and how that's continued through the history of the church, that we actually grow in maturity because we're exposed to the challenges and not only that, but the good things that others are doing in community together. So uh, this working together, being family together, uh, that's an important part of how you mature and uh, how your formation as a Christian actually happens. Absolutely. I mean, at one point Paul kind of tells the Corinthians that they think they've got it all and know how to do it, and he he, he gives them a lot of stick about that. Uh, I think if you see, if, a, if a church thinks it's got it, 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 it knows all about it and it's got it done, they're already in deep trouble. Okay. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. James is in Kyabram in Victoria. Hi, James. Welcome. G'day, Neil. How are you doing? Really well, thanks, James. What are your thoughts? Well, I believe only good gifts come from God. 
So I believe it's really more about not living with COVID than it is living with COVID. Um, and, and the reason I say that, I take a passage from, it's a Messianic uh, Jewish Bible in chapter 18 of Revelations. It talks about, well, this Messianic Bible calls it Babel the Great, but we know it's Babylon the Great. But in, 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 the sec, in verse 3, the second part, it says, The kings of the earth went whoring with her, and from her under, unrestrained love of luxury and the world's businessmen have grown rich. Then I heard another voice out of heaven say, My people, come out of her so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not be infected by her plagues. So I'm believing more that God's been saying to me, we don't have, Satan's got all these diseases, he's got all these plagues, and he wants to put them onto us like a dog with flea trying to shake them off, but we don't have to receive them. The doctors might say, you have this condition or that condition, but we don't have it. But that's, I'm not being ridiculous. I don't think I've got all the answers, but I believe God, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Yeshua Hamashiach has all the answers, and he is perfect. He's in us. We have the ability to do the latches up on our sandals because he can do it in us and through us. But we have to fight. We have to be resilient. We have to say no weapon formed against me can prosper and every tongue that rises against me I shall condemn. Uh, and this is the, right, the righteousness, the inheritance of, 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 of his chosen bride, us, the church. Um, but we need to hear that. We need to hear it's not that God is allowing it, but he's warned us, he's told us these things Sin is bringing this upon itself. Those who follow the, the great Babylon, they, they are bringing it upon themselves because they didn't choose life. We need to choose life. James, some interesting perspectives in there, and there's quite a lot. And uh, I think that if I was summing up what you're saying, and uh, some will uh, read into some of those things more deeply, but God is able to deliver, and uh, there is hope in his uh, ability to deliver in whatever circumstances that we might find ourselves in. But if God chooses at that moment not to deliver you, then somehow or other you are going to be digging in for a longer haul. Uh, let's get a thought or two from Bruce. Bruce, your thoughts for James. Yes, thanks, James. Uh, uh, it's true that um, uh, we, are not, we are not heirs of this world. And uh, uh, our kingdom, our, our citizenship is elsewhere in heaven um so i think i think um our task is to witness to the evil that is around us or to the people who are presenting evil uh and not to think however though that our task is to win some kind of triumphant victory over error or even evil our task is to testify let me uh, tell you a story about a guy called Polycarp in the second century who was a bishop and he was, he'd was he been arrested and was going to be executed and uh, because he said he was a Christian. Uh, and um, he, the, the, the magistrate said, look, it's just a matter of saying you worship Caesar. It's, not, it's just a form of words. You don't have to say it. It doesn't mean it. Just say it and then I don't have to execute you. Uh, and... Um, uh, Polycarp couldn't do that, and and he could have got out, but he couldn't do it. And he said, uh, "70 years I've uh, followed Christ, and he's never done me any wrong. How can I betray him now?" And that was his death knell. Uh, so he didn't he didn't escape. He was killed um, brutally by being burnt at the stake. So I think I think we can't expect always to be to have any particular kind of victory or triumph. The only triumph we have is to, with grace and respect and care and love, testify to the reality of Christ in our lives. James, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation today. Let's take another call, Bruce. This is Brett in Western Australia. Hi, Brett. Welcome. G'day, guys. How are you going? Good, um, just a quick one. I wanted to sort of focus on the truth aspect to life. Um, if we deny the truth in telling a lie, we're actually denying Christ himself if he is the truth, right? So if we believe, and, and in saying that, we're hating our neighbour in the process. Now, if we believe a lie to be true, we 
also hate our neighbour, but we do not even know that we're doing it. And I wanted to sort of focus on that issue in regard to the COVID narrative. Um, We're bombarded with a one-sided approach to understanding COVID, yet a lot of us are not looking at the other side of the story and drawing a conclusion based on the knowledge that we can take to heart and to know. And what I see is happening is that there's a narrative that's being believed and it's not necessarily true and the church is hating their neighbour in the process and it happened right at the start when it shut the church's doors because it took a narrative that was unbiblical and it ran with it and it's suffering the consequences now. If it continues, it'll get worse. Brett, uh, interesting way that you're framing all of that and uh, the vaxxed, unvaxxed. And as you know, on this program, we never tell people whether they should or should not be vaccinated. There are some health issues in all of that. But one of the things that's proved to be so important over the time in taking that position is that we don't take any position on segregation now as to whether one side is more important than the other. All are one in Christ Jesus. If you uh, uh, bring that that question into the equation of how you talk about vaxxed and unvaxxed and, and applying truth. But uh, Bruce, do you have a thought for Brett? Thanks, Brett. Um, I'm not sure that I... I um have a lot to say. I, I think my feeling was that um, uh, the health orders early on and consistently have been designed to protect people's health in the community. And uh, I, I, my thought is that um, the churches, if they're going to witness one way or the other in this context, and if the health orders are well-informed from the point of view of health, which they seem to be, uh, then the church's responsibility should be shaped by the parable of the Good Samaritan, that that he was a man who's travelling down from Jerusalem to Jericho, beaten up, as you know the story, um, and there are, there are several responses, uh, but the one that got Jesus' approval was the Samaritan, the foreigner, who, who stopped and helped the man uh, and took him to an inn and paid for his accommodation and looked after him. And it seems to me that in that context, the church's Christian witness for the churches would be to do those things which were Samaritan-like in the community in which we were operating and in the terms in which we were trying to live. So I, I, I think um, I think that that was that should have been the overriding. And generally speaking, was, I think, but should have been the overriding impulse for the Christian churches. And certainly the sentiments from the Good Samaritan apply to you, whichever side of an equation you might be arguing, no doubt. Uh, I want to thank yeah, uh, Brett for that uh, for that insight. Uh, thank you so much. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Sally is in Alice Springs in the Territory. Yes, Hello, Alice. Alan. Sally, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Somebody said it's a very simple... No, I shouldn't say simple. But mentioned it. You know, there's that scripture, what is Caesar's, it is Caesar's. Is that what it, you know, and that's what Jesus was asked. And so my kind of philosophy, and I think somebody might, have, I might sort of like take their thought, is that if we've obeyed what Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar, wasn't he picking up that money? <clears throat> and I'm thinking... If we've gone and done what the government has said, therefore we are honouring what God or Jesus has asked us to do. So that's sort of where I sort of... I mean, I was a bit, you know, reluctant to have it. Here in Alice, you might know, or the whole territory, we've only had like two COVID deaths now. We've had no infections up here, which is, you know, very, very fortunate. And it's kind of weird to hear what's you know, around us, literally, <laughs> in the rest of Australia. Um, but, um, yeah, and I think it's really hard when you have that distinctions in church. You know, you've got the yes and the no's and, you know, the big demonstrations that are happening down there as well, or, yeah, down there. Don't know so much about what's happening with you guys up there. 
So that's kind of my philosophy. And, you know, the other philosophy is that you're not only helping yourself, but you're helping others. And that's kind of like an instruction of God's as well. Love thy neighbor as thyself, um, which is a very, you know, scripture that I personally find it hard because nobody really equates to self. And I think it's a lot of self in a way, which might be sounding selfish as well, is taking over you know, rather than the the others. I mean, like here in Alice, we still got to do, you know, the stuff. We had to wear masks for two days because of what's happening in Catherine. And we complained and we're very complacent walking into buildings and nobody's doing hardly any was doing the QR. I'm thinking, you know, that's saying as long as you're doing the right thing, but hello, it affects others when you don't do that simple act Sally, so it's a bit of a wonderful to hear from you uh, in Alice Springs and uh, when you say, you know, we had two days of wearing masks and uh, some have been affected a whole lot more seriously than those in Alice Springs and so many places that are listening to our conversation today haven't had much of the effect at all. But uh, rendering unto Caesar what is Caesar's, unto God what is God's, uh, is that a relevant uh, scripture to be able to reflect on and uh, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, love your neighbour as yourself, as as Sally reflects. Uh, your thoughts here, Bruce? Yes, uh, render to Caesar uh, the things of the season, the God the things of the God, is a part of a conversation that Jesus was having with some Jewish leaders who came to him and asked him a trick question. Because paying Roman taxes at the time in Palestine was a highly contentious issue, and there were many Jewish people who said, we shouldn't be doing that, we shouldn't be supporting it, uh, and so on. And so this is a trick question designed to put Jesus in a political problem. Uh, and he, he answers it by saying, render to Caesar the things of the Caesars. He picks up a coin, the coin that one of the Jewish people had. Uh, uh, and uh, so it's a kind of rhetorical exchange. Uh, and But the problem is that Rendering to Caesar the things of the Caesars is is not a universal principle because it's qualified by the second half of what Jesus says. Render to God the things to God. And and there are lots of examples in history of Christians who have had demanded of them by the political powers, by Caesar, uh, things which they felt were uh, wrong and they were not willing to uh, comply. And a whole history of the Christian martyrs in the early church and the persecutions, but even in the modern age, uh, people have been uh, um, martyred for standing for their faith against the power of the political government, wherever it is. We in Australia are extraordinarily fortunate. We are not likely ever to be in this situation. Well, we haven't been historically. But um, uh, I, I don't think... Render to Caesar the things of Caesar's is a is an unqualified injunction. Sally in Alice Springs, thank you so much for your call. I will have to put a line under calls, running out of time, and I did want to ask you, Bruce, about navigating long term because you know as we talked earlier on, uh, perhaps no quick fix here on COVID, and the effects of this are going to last for years to come. Uh, as a Christian believer, uh, those long-term issues, living a Christian life, have you got a, a final thought or two about how we might uh, involve ourselves and engage in that navigating so that we're not just treading water but actually making ground? Yes, I, I, perhaps I could say a couple of things. Um, uh, I, think, um, I think it's important to recognise that this is this is a long-term learning, character-forming process that we are committed to, and uh, in our church we have a church year that goes round and round every year, and it repeats the cycle of the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection, and it's a timetable that is unending, and it's a it's a kind of educational tool. Um, we we will learn things one year, and need to learn them again next. So we've we've got a so it's a long term learning exercise. It must I think we churches need to be self consciously trying to form Christian character in the way they operate as communities and in the membership the lives of the membership of the communities and uh, not just dealing with today's thing. And I guess the second thing I think I would like to say is that this, these are not surprising issues. 
These are the things which, if you read the New Testament, constantly come to the surface. In Paul's letters, he's constantly trying to explain to Christians how they can live well. His prayers at the beginning of Philippians and Colossians, for example, about making being wise enough to make good judgments and to be formed by the life of Christ in their lives as well. Uh, that's not that's all new stuff which we should learn from. So I would say. So we come to the New Testament and especially those letters from the Apostle Paul about how to live and how this character of Christ might be formed in you even though you face the circumstances and in the first century. Of course, there was oppression from the Roman Empire. Uh, Wonderful thoughts, Bruce Kay, and uh, just want to thank you so much for taking some time to share these with listeners. Uh, For listeners to get a hold of your book, Living with COVID, Christian Reflections in Troubling Times. I imagine uh, the online booksellers uh, simply Google uh, living yes. with COVID and yes. the, the name Bruce K and you'll come up with it. But uh, 52, uh, 52 devotional uh, connecting uh, ref- reflections there, Bruce. And and I guess you could start those any time. As soon as you got a hold of it, you could start a, a whole uh, process of reflecting on these things. Absolutely. There's no order. Uh, and uh, they each pick up some aspect, some little aspect of of, of Christian formation and uh, Christian resilience, uh, and uh, yes, well, you've Coven- shared some Coventry Press. Uh, wonderful Sorry, Coventry Press is the publisher. Coventry Press is the publisher, yeah. but uh, wonderful uh, reflections in this hour and wonderful wisdom that's been uh, brought to the fore. And uh, I want to thank you so much, uh, the Reverend Doctor Bruce Kay, who is adjunct research professor at the Centre for Public and Contextual Theology, Charles Sturt University in the ACT a former General Secretary of the Anglican Church of Australia and these days a member of the South Head Anglican Parish, as we've heard, uh, connected with twice as many people because of COVID. So there's a silver lining uh, for churches that have been able to adapt or pivot uh, in this day to be able to make sure that they're connecting with so many more people. Bruce, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Nice to talk with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.